You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. All right, welcome in. We've got three. We will have four, we believe, soon. Bobby Manning's going to be joining us from the garden. We got Joe Sway Pavone. He's so hyped. That's what it is. Pumped. He is pumped. <laughs> he said something ridiculous in our chat. It was like so green teamery. One thing, just one, yeah, just as as it- one, yeah, only one. It was like, I'm so glad this team's back to blowing out teams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll wait for you guys to say it. I know exactly what line you're talking about. <laughs> God, uh, yeah, it's it's a miracle if Bobby only says one ridiculous thing in our in our uh, in our chat. Yes. Glad oh, we'll wait, back we'll wait. destroying teams. We'll wait and let him defend himself, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah, just yeah, with the a freshly shorn Josue Pavone, fresh from a wedding. Yes, uh, survived it. We're glad he made it back, Jimmy Toscano. Of course, it wasn't his uh, wedding, ladies. So just so you know, yeah. like he's oh, no, still, still very much not married. Yeah, still there. Yeah, um, getting ready for the summer. Married. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So uh, Bobby will be joining us in a little bit, but uh, you know, look, uh, another another feel good game for the Celtics here. Um, uh, you, you get a Houston team that's Houston, which is great. Then you get a Charlotte team. And again, this is a bit of a bummer for a couple of reasons. Um, this was supposed to be the Gordon Hayward return. Yeah. Gordon and Terry coming in here, revenge, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just a chance to see him. Uh, and then, you know, see if we could injure him ourselves, you know? Um, right. We, we, then- we didn't get there in time. <laughs> the when irony. You this, oh, when you go this far into the season before you see Hayward, there's a chance where you're, you're going to miss that opportunity. The whole time. It's like, it's like Kyrie, like, you know, it. You know, he just you know skips them. Yeah. So, um, in this case, again, uh, He's skip all of them too. It's not good. good. Yeah, all of them. So, um, no Gordon. You had Terry, but I mean, geez, man, what? Who? Well, they're obviously Lamelo uh, and uh, and and Gordon and and uh, and uh, Monk. Right, yeah, Monk. Yeah, that's a big one too. Monk. He plays well when Hayward's out, especially. He's and, he, he can yeah. be consistent. No scoring yeah. there. No scoring on that team um, right now. So Terry did his best. He hung in there, but then they stepped on their throats. Uh, when did the uh, when did the Celtics 
pull away in this game? When who entered the game? I'm not going there. I'm He's not going alive. there. <laughs> I'll it's tell you what. Luck. These holograms yeah, are getting out, out of control. Yeah. These holograms are, are unbelievable now. The way that they can make them look like so lifelike. They hit threes yeah. and block shots. Um, <laughs> but look, it's not. It's it's unfair to call it the you know Romeo and the Celtics second unit. What really happened is obviously Charlotte is so ridiculously undermanned when they went to their bench. Um, there's just there's the cupboard is bare. So obviously yeah. the Celtics were able to take advantage, and they did. But it was good to see Romeo minutes. It was good to see the Celtics second unit play well. It was good to see passing again. Holy wow, did they jack some threes tonight? You guys see the total? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I saw they hit th- a lot of threes too. Fifty four. If, if this game was close, they they hit sixty easily. Easily hit sixty. 54 yeah. three-point attempts. And again, 29 assists following a 35 assist game uh the other night. So and that was attempted threes. So again, at the end of the day, you're seeing more of what you want to see, which is work the ball and shoot more threes, not fewer threes, regardless what the boomers will tell you. Too many threes. It's not too many threes, it's too few threes. Um, and this is really more of like the offense that you want to see here. Well, uh, we're gonna bring in Bobby because Bobby likes threes. Right, Bobby? Oh, yeah. He loved it. Bobby Let him fly. More three-pointers, right? Yeah, definitely. I, this is what you want to see. Now, <laughs> I think they've, got, I think they've gone to – I think they've gone to the high end of things. We talked about last game. Like, they're number one by far in this last week and change in three points attempted. I don't know if you want to be that reliant on it, but no. it's way better than the shot profile that they had coming into this. And I, I said this um, in the Garn report that I did here on Friday – not only are they shooting more threes, but like you guys want to see, they're getting it to rob more too. So that's more shots at the basket too, rather than, you know, mid-rangers. That matters just as much as the threes. Cutting out that 18, 18-footer that Stevens hates, right? I mean, yeah. just take three shots at the rim and shots from, you know, behind the arc. And Brad Stevens goes to bed a happy man. So that's kind of what this team's starting to become, inside-outside game. And again, if they can, if they can be aggressive and drive to the rim and, and then create those open threes with the kickout, then I'm fine. John talked about it last game. It's not the number of threes. It's it's how you get them. It's the quality of threes. So, you know, you're still seeing a lot of that ball movement that we saw last game. Fournier's, you know, still hot. You know, credit to him. He's, he's still, you know, automatic from three, it feels like. Um, so, yeah, everything was working for them again. I mean, obviously, when you're missing the players that that mean, to, mean so much to you, like, the players that mean to the Hornets are missing, like Hayward, Ball, Monk. There's really no team in the NBA that can make up for, you know, that amount of offense that just all of a sudden is you're zapped from. So um, obviously, you know, you take the you you you, t- you take it with a grain of salt. But again, this is a game that the Celtic Nick Gelso rolling in the ratings. This guy like runs the company. Would this would this qualify as hostile work environment? <laughs> <laughs> Idiotic take. I don't know what take from the from the guy in charge. I don't know, and that should make you feel good, John. (laughs) Speaking of going to bed happy tonight, you should feel good about that. I mean, listen. Obviously, obviously, Fournier's three point touch is 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 a huge booster for this team coming off the bench. That's a huge advantage, something that they didn't have all season long. But what I love in particular in that first half was, yeah, he was also doing that, but also getting that ball moved. You know, making sure everyone got their touches. And I think that's a humongous boost for this second unit because you put him with someone like Pritchard. You know, you know how you guys know how I feel about Pritchard when 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 he's when he's on future starting point guard, getting everyone a couple more years. Could happen, Jimmy. (laughs) 
when he's making sure everyone gets their touches along with someone like Fournier, I think I saw Fournier like correct someone where they were supposed to be. Like, like that's like the, the new guy at the job is telling someone who's already been there all season long where they need to be. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, that's like, he's into this. He's taking on this role as that secondary guy. And of course you mix him in with the starting unit and, you know, I just think when the threes aren't falling, that's when the Celtics going to be in, in a tough spot. But obviously, that wasn't the case today. Fournier had a lot to do with that. Payne Pritchard had a lot to do with that. And of course, as well, I mean, mixing him with, the, with that second unit, it's a really tough uh, – uh, that's a tough group to go against for opposing second units, yeah. you know. So, and, and especially when they're shorthanded, like John's about to say right now. <laughs> no, no, I want to spin the wheel on it, though. No, because I agree with it. It is. It makes the second unit different. But I want to spin the wheel on this, and you guys decide which direction we go. I, I ran a Twitter poll um, on um, – Oh, I missed it. I ran a Twitter poll uh, and, and just asking, what do you think is the best uh, trade deadline development for the Celtics? Okay, the acquisition of For- – the, answer- the questions were the acquisition of Fournier, the options were – the acquisition of Fournier, Rob Williams being inserted as a starter, and Romeo Langford being alive. Now, Romeo was the joke option, but I, you know, obviously <laughs> when you do put the joke option in there, people think it's funny, so they click it. But him being alive, again, is something I've wanted to see. Not enough tonight to sure. make a, a judgment, but we will talk about his opinion. But of those three guys right now, uh, you know, you saw something from everybody. Uh, I know what I think is the is the best so far, but I mean. Uh, and you'd be surprised. I just I'm voted. Answer, but wh- whether you answer that question, or you just want to talk about each of those guys tonight. I'll spin the wheel. You guys go. Wh- which one do you want to talk about? We'll spin uh, the wheel. It, it's Fournier by far. Uh, it's not even close. You think of a guy going on an 11 to 16 tear. Where do you end up hitting like nine straight threes between these two games? <laughs> that, no one, no one on this roster could even dream of doing that before the deadline. So and certainly not Semi Grant, Neesmith, or Romeo, as you texted us. Nobody yeah. in this roster can catch a lob either. Yeah, I know, but you'd rather have a dead-eyed three-point shooter on the wing that you can add to the equation here. And, you know, the same Rob that we've seen for most of the season. What do they add, like five more minutes by moving him to the starting lineup? Like, again, I'm not, not knocking the that, impact. playing with the starters, but that's fine. No, I think I'm not kind of hard knocking the impact a little bit. A little bit Bobby had a horrific tweet earlier today. I'm sure he'll get into it on Rob. Oh, I missed well, it. What was it? It was exactly pretty much <laughs> what you said. It was like, you know, Rob's averaging 30 minutes a game and nothing has changed. First of all, he's not averaging 30 minutes a game. And I would bench, and I would say that a lot has changed, regardless of whether or not they're turning into wins. I think a lot has changed in the way that this team competes out there and the way that they score and the way that they, that they are, in my opinion, improving on both ends of the court, which will lead to more wins. Had Rob been playing 25 to 30 minutes all season, I think they have a better record than they do today. So Not that's that's been a bigger impact than Fournier's arrival. It's hard to say. I guess we'll find out. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. I think both I, are important. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's obviously both, but I think you didn't have a Fournier before. You had Rob this whole time plus Tice, plus Thompson, like you probably sure, rather you're talking still about have... impact. You're you're talking about literally, you know, zero to a new player to increasing yeah. somebody's minutes. So right. yeah, the impact is going to be a little bit greater with a brand new player. I, I'm, I'm Believe it or not, I'm actually leaning Fournier, but I do think Bobby's saying again, everything is a landslide, you know, is, 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 uh, you know, it's not a Mick landslide. Matt, right? Mick but I do think the evidence on the Rob side of things is 
Rob, as soon as he was given more minutes prior to the trade deadline, made the most of him. As soon as he was inserted in the starting lineup, the starting lineup and everybody around him miraculously got better. Um, and now that you have, you know, a little bit more balance and a little bit more, uh, you know, another playmaker in Fournier, now you've got second unit and, 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 and everything kind of clicking at the same time. I do think there's a legit trickle-down effect there with Rob and what he brought to the starting lineup. That being said, Fournier is impressed the crap out of me with how not just his shooting but just his savvy his iq how quick the ball gets out of his hands his playmaking ability Extend them. No those back-to-back -back lobs to rob one of them was in his hands for 0.2 seconds you know just mm -hmm. boom boom you know like it's really clever stuff that he's doing uh, and you can see it just the way he plays his angles he actually is dare i say kind of hayward-esque a little bit in that regard yeah. Yeah. I, and i didn't yeah. see it I didn't know it as much because, as Jimmy pointed out prior to the trade, um, there were not, not a single YouTube highlight of Evan Fournier existed. Exists, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Every time you'd go looking for it, it'd say file not found. You know, like nobody yeah. knew. You would just get Aaron Gordon. <laughs> the, underrated, the underrated size, And an too. underrated defender. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you well, saw blockers, that A lot yeah. of people overlooked, you know. They, they just talked specifically about his outside touch. But, yeah, yeah he can keep – he can keep up with guys, you know. I mean, he's not a long defender, you know, per se. But I think with you couple that with that second unit and how much this team needs that so much, it's going to amplify what he does. Will be will trickle down not only with those with that second unit, but of course with the starters. You know, he will be at the end of games with those guys. You know, to finish games. For sure, and I it's, it wasn't a huge deal, but he got to play and spell those minutes with the young guys in the fourth quarter when they were up 27. And he asked, was it going to be another walk of shame game? Was this all going to fall apart with Neesmith and Langford in there? And they actually extended the lead by the end of the night. And so that was important, too, for him to be able to go out there, allow the guys like Romeo, Neesmith, uh, Mo Wagner, mm -hmm. those type of guys to get some run. Well, not just completely capsizing like we saw earlier in the year. And still, Fournier only finished with, uh, what, 22 minutes? So, Well, nobody needed it. That's the whole thing. All the minutes yeah. will be down tonight because the fourth, um, luckily, they uh, – Fourth quarter was out of reach. Yeah, they didn't have to worry about it. So that was good. And, again, it kept everybody down. You've got Philly and then New York with the back-to-back -back coming up. So anytime you can cut down minutes. How many times have they had a blowout win where they didn't have to slide the starters back in? It was nice to go the whole fourth quarter not having to worry about it, you know? that's I, I Is that the first one? I'll, I mean, maybe two? Yeah, there's not a year? lot. Maybe yeah. two. Yeah. Usually you know, first time, even, first time in forever. Yeah. Even even watching the clock. Like he was he was mad that he had to go back in there. It looked like he was like taking his time. He's like, Coach, this game is done. But all right, I'll go back in. <laughs> yes. I no. guess I'll play it out. It Got was out good. of hand fast. So the Fournier stuff, again, uh, you know, I was super impressed with again. Um and it's amazing because, like I said, you know, prior to that game where he caught fire, he's one of six kind of trending towards another dud of a game. Uh, and then he, you know, lights it up in the fourth quarter. I think he's just – he was good instantly. And then he had those ten straight threes, uh, which uh, was one off the Celtics record. I mean, uh, missed a couple late, but, I mean, still all-around great game. I, I, I do want to get everyone's thoughts on Romeo. I know we tease a lot, you know, that Romeo is, uh, you know, is, is not real. But, in fact, he was real. Now, in addition to his play, which, again, you only have a little snapshot of it, so it's hard to say too, too much. What I did find encouraging is that his first game back off of the COVID conditioning thing, they wanted to get him in right away. And so he already leapt past, uh, you know, Neesmith in the, in, the, uh, in the rotation, which is 
not super surprising, but it certainly tells you something. But it was clear that they wanted to get him run. Brad even talked about, I'm giving him a couple stints tonight. So it wasn't a, he's cleared to play, go sit next to Neesmith and Taco. He was cleared to play with a design on him actually getting minutes, uh, in, in, with the design on him getting enough minutes to build up some stamina for hopefully what would be more meaningful minutes. So it leads me to believe prior to his COVID setback, they did have an idea that Romeo could come in and contribute in some way on this team or at least a desire to have him do so. Yeah, for sure. And we saw that. I mean, his defense is obviously the part that we all want to see unfold. We want to see him develop, but it's so frustrating because there's not a whole lot of time. I mean, just for him to get his legs back, I think it's going to take some time leading into the playoffs. And we're not quite sure if he's there development wise to keep up with some of the, you know, top talents or at least top tier teams. The Eastern Conference has got dramatically better over the past year. And Romeo hasn't, obviously. He's been sidelined. So it's a tough spot. I mean, it's a great glimpse of the future, I guess. It's still, we have to see more of it. But for him to come in with that sort of energy, the the, the putbacks and the, you know, the, 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 what was it? The play that the block the bridges block, can jump, up. man. Yeah, great. That was no I mean, joke. Yeah, he got that out of the way. You that know? is text like like for someone to do that has been out that long and, and come in your your first you know minute your first stint. It's it's impressive, and I guess it shows that obviously he hears the the, the talk that's going on in Brian City, and it looks like he's, he's he's developed maybe he's developed some thick skin over the past year or so, and he's ready to to, to prove himself to everyone. Yeah, everybody yeah. everybody was blown away by his defense coming into the league. That wasn't something people thought would be a strength of his game, and he's still continuing to flash that, uh, not only positionally, but you know, with the dynamic athleticism to make a play like that, steal later in the game. That's what's going to get him into the rotation ultimately because there is an opportunity here between him, Nismith, Semi-Ojale, eventually when he gets back as like a fourth forward spot. Not a ton right. of minutes there toward playoff time, but – like it's not out of the question that if they can ramp him up conditioning wise and he responds well to all of that over the final 20 games or so, you get more blowouts like this that he can be inserted into the fourth. There's a chance, there's an outside chance that he can end up making the playoff rotation. Uh, but it's it's going to be an uphill battle for him for sure. Like he's just so limited right now and there's so little time left that uh, it will be tough for him to like break into this in a big way. But tonight's a start. But there is, though, that's the thing is right now, and it's again, it's a perfect opportunity because Neesmith didn't make the most of his minutes, so he's not going to get him back, I don't think. Um, and Semi being out almost guarantees, even with the acquisition of Fournier, that Neesmith's going to get in. I mean, Neesmith, that uh, Romeo's going to get in there, I think, in this range of 12 to 15 minutes a game to start every game. I don't think you're going to get a, I'm hoping, I don't think you're going to get a, oh, he sits for the next two DNPCD and then comes in for five or six. If he does, then that probably means he's not in their plans. But if he's right back out there against Philly uh, on Tuesday, playing, again, those two stints, as Brad kind of pointed out there, which is roughly what you'll be looking at, a little second quarter and a little third into the fourth run, um, that is good enough to start, I think. And then you let him build off of that. If he goes away, that's rough. Again, it depends how long Semi's out there. But I don't think it's that hard, Bobby, to crack the rotation personally because it, there's not much there. Uh, you're really only competing with who? Semi Ojale and Aaron Neesmith at that point. And that's well, I why I, Bobby's say, like, I want to see him because his – Highest level of play, I think, gives you at least the defensive semi with some offensive potential um, to boot. And we'll see whether that's the case. Yeah. I mean, the greatest trick Romeo ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how that's the saying. And listen, he, he, goes that, out there, he, he goes out there today, drains his first shot. 
you know, the three pointer, which was great to see him, you know, have a little bit of that. I know he missed the next three, but you know, he, you know, he goes out there. Confidence is, you know, a guy hasn't played in a year. I mean, he could have, he could have looked, he could have looked like Neesmith 2.0 out there, but he actually looked like he belonged. He was cool, calm, collected. Um, you know, he's, he, you know, was that player that, you know, the Celtics can put on the opposing team's offensive, offensive guy and see if he can slow him down a bit. You know, that's something that they lack. You talk about, you talk about Romeo and now Fournier, that's 40, 40 plus minutes now that you could potentially have uh, in this rotation that you didn't have a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, that's huge for a potential, you know, push here to the playoffs. And, you know, in terms of depth, if the Celtics can actually stay healthy, they look a lot more like the team in last year's bubble, you know, playoff personnel wise, than they have sort of floundering through the first, you know, half plus of this, of this season. So, Anything you get out of Romeo is a bonus. I mean, if you're if you're talking about a guy that can give you 15 minutes off the bench, I mean, last week, John, I think you said, you know, a lost season for Romeo. So that's you know, the worry. Yeah, right. That's that's and that's the worry. Listen, we're not gonna we're not gonna you know go overboard here with with his debut, but you got meaningful minutes. You got something that resembled an NBA player, which is great. And if they can build on that, and if he can stay <clears> healthy, <throat> because that's another guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy then, you know, you've got an end-of-rotation sort of player there for the, well, for the playoffs. So that's that's all I was pointing out for today yeah. is the, the, the fear was when they were like – you got the vibe, didn't you guys, that like they were like, you're not going to be seeing much of this guy when they're like, well, you know, with the reconditioning sure. stuff. The kind of feeling was like, I don't know what, if anything, we're getting from him. So I thought that ramp-up might be, you know, those last few games where he's had the COVID reconditioning um, designation – I thought that could last two and three weeks. It looks like Thompson's still in it, you know? Um, so that was the worry there is that he might not even see the court for two weeks. The fact that he, on his first game cleared, he played, again, is the encouraging well, that's, aspect for me. Yeah, that's what, that's what I said about that fourth quarter, John. That's that's the only way they can get him back into things. Like, they don't have practice time. And even if they did, you want him at game speed more than practice speed. So any chance that they can get to fit him into this rotation, they're going to do it just because that's the only way he can get back into the fold here. Like, those, you know, I'm sure Stevens didn't love throwing him into the fire right away here, but they had no other choice with how jam-packed these games are. I'll say this, too. Shemi Ojale is expected to miss 10 games total, I think. He's already missed five, so there'll be about five more games here, maybe more if the injury continues to linger in that West Coast trip uh, for Langford to have steady run. And you're right, John. Right. There isn't a whole lot of competition there when you think of where Neesmith's done. Yeah. Grant Grant probably isn't interchangeable with him because Langford gives you more wing versatility on the defensive side of the ball. So, like, the, the opportunity's here if he plays well over this yeah. next week. Well, week plus. well, that's the thing. You're right. Because now, like, you know, Brad, Brad theoretically has the personnel more suited to play the type of game that he likes to play, particularly defensively. Oh, it's beautiful. Particularly yes. defensively, when you've got a bunch of wings and that whole switchability thing, and I do think you know Romeo fits into that really well for him uh, if he can play. Because now that you have Fournier, you've now all of a sudden, I don't want to say it's wing depth. You've just added you've added Romeo, who hasn't shown anything yet. But like I said, is it allows you to do the things you want to do, whether or not he's capable. Is again what these next five, six, eight, ten games will show us. Because you really do want him playing. At a, at a reasonable, reliable level, when you, if, if and when you, you know, enter the playoffs. And again, the the Charlotte situation we we're talking about it beforehand. 
you have to think the path to the playoffs obviously gets easier here. Hayward's out a minimum four weeks. Um, there's five yeah. weeks left in the season. That's a minimum four weeks. This is one of those, like, we'll check him at four weeks and be evaluated. It really sounds like his season is done. Which is Regular crazy because he didn't yep. even look to be in that much pain. Like, no. Like it was almost like he was. Mm -hmm. I felt he was almost like gonna walk it off, and now it's like, oh, what's a, a what's a sprained foot, John? You, you you're the closest to MD here. What is that? It all depends. Yeah, what kind of sport. Sport. Mid foot, where it's sprained. I didn't see what it was here, but you know, what is it? Foot muscles? Huh? Foot muscles? It's no, not an just, ankle. No, it's the same thing. It's just there's different parts of the. It's the it's, foot it's, has a billion bones in it. It's a million different things that you could sprain That's a fact, there. By the way, there's yeah. a million bones in the foot. That's facts. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're not spraining. I know bone. a couple doctors. There's, there's a ton of ligaments and other things in there, too. I mean, there's a just, but it's very similar to ankle injury. Sometimes they call it foot and it's really ankle. It's just which part, which, which part is it? But I mean, you have those midfoot sprains, which really mess people up. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, four week designation right away means they're pretty sure that he'll be, he'll be know, evaluated in four weeks, is what they said. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, it looks like this right. is one of those like longer term. So that, so that leads me to my question. Did the Celtics make the right decision? Well, that's what's fair to talk about. And we were talking about it on the thread. Like, at what point do you stop saying bad luck and, and just say brittle? Yeah. No, I mean, it's a fair question. And it drives a couple of my friends wild because I like to play devil's advocate. And they were, <laughs> they were huge. Like, you have to re-sign Hayward. And, and, it, and honestly, it was a runaway. Like, it was a runaway that they, the Celtics made the wrong decision, right? Leading up to like two days ago. But now it's like, okay, well, the reason why Celtics fans are going crazy and why Celtics fans weren't even really that upset was because, you know, majority of Hayward's career was spent either injured or coming back from an injury or not fully there, but, you know, working through it. And to see him, you know, thrive in Charlotte, you know, that was like, wow, that's the Gordon Hayward that everyone thought the Celtics were getting and never actually got. And then he goes down with the foot injury and like, okay, well, that's the Gordon Hayward that Celtics fans know. Because is it bad luck or is it like John said, is it that he's kind of brittle or that, you know, it doesn't take much for, for something to, you know, go wrong in his, in his body. You know, it didn't, again, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a lower body fluky kind of, you know, ankle slash foot. He stepped on thing. a foot, you said, right? He stepped on yeah, Miles Turner's foot. foot. Yeah. Miles Turner's of all foot. people. Which so is hilarious. Like, again, again, this is. Really slip that in there today too. You see that? This is almost all bad luck for him. It's just like uncanny luck. When I, I, is it? I mean, could you say the same for Langford with everything he's uh, gone I through? Mean, like I said, so to me, things like Romeo, wrists and pinkies and whatever it was, those are flukier than rolling ankles and, and, and soft tissue injuries and things like that. That's usually something that is recurring. When people have those, you see them have them a lot of times. Like Gordon That's just – Gordon sprained that foot now twice. I mean, obviously that freakish break a few years ago is a different situation, but now that's twice on that ankle. Broken angle. hand. And, and you know what? I mean, yeah. look, I mean – they weaken, you know, like once you sprain that stuff, we've all played some level of basketball. You sprain your ankle once, twice, three times. It's just never is right. You know, it just keeps right. getting worse and worse. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know with Gordon at this point. I mean, I feel like little things like what, what did he, what did he break a hand running into a screen? You yeah, know, yeah, like some of that stuff's finger. a little spooky, yeah. but yeah. yeah I mean, I mean I basketball, you're going to roll these things. You're going to roll ankles all the time, you know, right. out of the court there. He should be heavily taping – his ankles and he should he be wearing high tops high like, tops to the knees double lace <laughs> he should look like Cornette out there but like times two with like right? the, with the support i mean the thing about hayward though if if 
Hayward, if the Sioux sign him and this happens, Celtics fans would be, uh, you guys, they'd be living. They would be living. But well, that's the thing. It makes you feel better. Can I point one? The sky line. Yeah. Can I point one thing out, by the way? Um, sure. As we talk, just when we're talking about Gordon Hayward, it's really interesting. I know he started off the season kind of, you know, on fire and he had, um, you know, a couple of big point, you know, games and it was like, okay, he's unlocked his inner self. I mean, at the end of the day, if you go through the stats, he's averaging 34 minutes a game versus 33.5 with Boston. Okay. He's getting 15 shots up a game versus 13.5 with Boston. His field goal percentage is slightly down. His three point percentage is slightly up. His usage is roughly the same. Uh, he's really almost this. His rebounding is down. His assists are identical. He's literally. Then when? Last season? This last season with Z this season is yeah. well, he was really good statistically season. not that far off. Oh, he so was it is interesting. That that's, that's a great point by Jimmy. It, show, it shows, too, like how great he was last year and how underrated he was. that was. But the narrative that leaving for well, Charlotte. He got hurt again, though. But I'm saying the narrative yeah. that leaving for Charlotte unlocked him is a fallacy. Um, he's pretty much been there what he was here. And so – this notion that I get to go there and be more of myself, he's not really doing anything different than he did last there's, year. So there's two parts of it, though. I mean, being the front man isn't just about him taking a million shots. Like, he's setting player. up other teammates. He's the guy on the ball all the time there. And you, you look at the numbers, his importance there. He's missed four games at one and three. Now, you, tonight, you add that in there, one and four. Like, he, he's been an important piece there on both ends of the floor and within the offense outside of scoring. Uh, he's just been a floor general for them, frankly. Again, that's fine, but he was here at the times when he was out. He was always a secondary ball handler on this team. He was expected to do a lot with the ball and to be a playmaker as well. So, I, again, I just – I think it's – Fine, if he's got a little bit more responsibility and or respect from his teammates for his role there, yeah. his overall, what it's doing for him and his career and who he is and getting to be the true ver best version of himself is a pretty marginal difference. So I well, don't what's know. His, I mean, uh, what, what's his percentages? He's probably like 50%. No, like I said, his his no. field goal percentage slightly down from fifty to four high forties, and his three point percentage from thirty eight to forty. It's a, it's pretty close, but I mean one one and a half shot attempts more, and every other rebounding up, assists flat, almost everything is flat across the board, and minutes about the same. So he's being pretty much. I mean, it wasn't like he was not used here. I mean, this is this is who. Let's let's put it this way. This he's is like not, what it's he's the not narrative. The guy. He's a 26, the 27 point per game store, which or whatever he was in Utah, and that the Celtics suppressed that. He's pretty much this guy, and he was this guy for the Celtics last year, which is a really good player. I just think when he talked about the being a featured player and wanting to be that, I just think it was more about the narrative than anything. It wasn't That's about the production. True. It wasn't about the role. It was, sure, it was about right. the fact that everyone was saying this is Tatum and Brown's team. And when Gordon Hayward yeah. first signed here, it was a too many ways. He was supposed to be the one that's going to lead the, 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 you know, obviously him and Kyrie, or, or originally supposed to be him and Isaiah Thomas, but it was supposed to be him and Kyrie. He got hurt when he came back. Even as he was working his way back, the narrative started to change. Okay, now Kyrie's, you know, he's the mentor for these young rising superstars. It wasn't Kyrie and Hayward are the mentors. No, just Kyrie. And as he's trying to get himself back, he, he finally got himself back, put together his best season in Boston last year. But again, what, what what's everyone remember? It's what have you done for my Celtics fans, right? What have you done for us lately, right? You got I, hurt I in the postseason. Yeah, you know, yeah. in the postseason, you still you, you fought through, but obviously he wasn't the same player. Obviously, you forget what happened because two months went by, you know, from the from the NBA shutting down. 
So it was it was a lot going on. But again, at the end of the day, I just think it was it's the narrative. He doesn't like being that guy. He doesn't want to be known as the guy who's a, a size <laughs> to the two to the two rising superstars. And, and and let's be real, it was about that money, the one two zero million. Yeah, that was the big I, one. Get the bag. Yeah. Get the bag. If that's the case, everything is garbage in terms of what you say. You know, this whole I went there for blah, blah, blah. It's nothing. Oh, if, if, yeah, there it was, if Boston well, wasn't prepared to offer the same thing, and it, then it's, it's all nonsense. I just It's interesting to me that we've accepted that narrative when at the end of the day, he's pretty much the same guy on a worse team. Well, he, uh, also, and he, he, and, he, he and Terry share the load. It's not like he's clearly the one. And I got a, I got a news for you, buddy. Lamelo's the headliner there when he's healthy, so you're already not the number one I know, guy. I know, you're about right? to see control of the team to a kid, to a, even younger than the ones who you didn't want to, <laughs> to bring a ball. Him to before. Isn't that to something? a ball, brother? Yeah, yeah. to you a never ball, know. nonetheless. So good but luck with that. Contract, and he's like, "Hey, respect on paper. I'll take it." I'll tell you though, it can be a breath of fresh air though to not only leave the Boston market, which was probably tough on him, uh, but also to just kind of be on this young team without a lot of expectation, building something, playing a fun style. Like things got a little rigid starting last year here in Boston with the way they were playing offense. So there was probably a million different reasons that went into this. But at the end of the day, that money was the big one. And then everything else was secondary for that. Like they, they offered the most money by far, and that's what he took. So that's that's what they, it came down to. They offered him the most money. They offered him a much bigger role than the Celtics could have offered him. Whether or not they're using him similarly or not, at the t- I guarantee you that was a huge part of it was the role. And, you know, Michael Jordan selling you on, on your role in the organization is probably something that's pretty difficult to turn down. And, again, and the cheese. I, the cheese shops. The Charlotte's got so much cheese. Absolutely. And then he got think, some of that cheddar. That's all think, he needed. You I, know? Think a, I think a fresh start <laughs> was probably something that Hayward really was looking yeah. for. I think I think yeah. his 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 Boston career was probably one that he'd like to he'd like to move on from for a number of reasons. You know, health. Well, we, I think he felt disrespected, not just from the fans, but maybe from maybe from, you know, people within the team. Maybe he felt like, you know, his role was just like you guys said, he's kind of a bit of a Mr. Uh, Mr. Education Reform. Sorry, Mr. Education Reform might have felt a little out of place. <laughs> yeah, that what you get at? Maybe he, he did. He rode the Kurt Schilling train out of town. He said something about the I'm injury. Just about, I'm just thinking about the first day. Hold on. I'm just thinking about the first day when they're all putting the jerseys on. Gore is just like. <laughs> <Everyone's> <laughs> thought it was you know, everyone's posing. And he was like, I'm just going to. I'll see you guys later. Right, he thought it was the perfect choice. And you said he said something about the way the injury was handled too, Joe Swayer. He alluded to that. Um, sure. Yeah. That comes into play too. It feels like, yeah. Remember when he remember when he left the bubble and went to his own doctor instead of going to get treatment instead in Boston. That was kind yeah. of a weird thing yeah. too. He so. went to Indy, yeah, yeah. So all that stuff came together, and again, I think we can all agree. Even if they offered 120 million, he was probably never coming back to Boston. Uh, so it's it's all water under the bridge, and we can talk about Turner or the TPE, or Fournier, and all this stuff. But we all agree they probably should have brought him back. And we also all agree, I think, that uh, there was no chance he was coming back under any circumstance. That makes it a little easy. Know. Maybe. I don't know. offered him $120 million, you, I don't really, know. You don't think he would have? I don't know. I think, I don't he, know. I think, I think Robin made, made the decision. From a cap perspective, in terms of having the assets and having this here versus the little dance that they've had to do here, yeah, you would have gone into the tax. It would have been expensive. Uh, but having uh, 
having Gordon here would have just been one box you didn't have to worry about anymore. You would have just been checked at that position. You knew going forward you'd have a solid core and you didn't have to worry about it. You, you don't have to trade any picks, so you can just keep you, picking young guys and you try to keep that, picking you know. young guys, see if you had a lottery thing, or you could potentially package and try to sell off Kemba and see if you can get out from under that contract because you knew you'd have kind of more in the fold. Now you can't because you really need to hold on to it because you're just not deep enough. Um, I did want to talk about Kemba. This was another game uh, where is there, Bruins, is there a Bruins home game tomorrow, Bobby? Are they, are they ripping up the court and putting like, gee, there's a lot, a lot of work going on back there. Yeah, they're doing that. Yeah, you can hear the ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Yeah, um, exactly. Right. That's John, you know speaking of Nick, Nick says check your phone. I don't know. He's like being Nick about it. So is he no, serious about the Marcus Smart thing? Is it about he the said, thing? Bobby, check your phone too. I don't know. I said in the middle of the show, he's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, well, we're doing a show. Yo, why don't you tell him to check Joey's phone? Yeah. No, oh, Nick, I did it. I told him. Now you, you can lay off me now. I know. Nick doesn't. Hold on a second. Let's all text him right now. No. Whoa. Nope. It's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm sure. It's really are you, are you interesting. Gonna... Oh, he's propping it? it up. Oh, he's smiling. Yes. That's that Xanax oh, smiling. Right. This is a good. This is good cup content it, right here. Cup it, cup it up, baby. I will. So anyway, so here we go. Um, so it was worth me telling you to check your phone then. It is. Uh, yes. Kemba, um, rough game. Uh, not rough. Writes, Nick knows how to text. Had some. Had some <laughs> moments to get. <laughs> uh, Kemba, another rough night from three. Um, two of nine three-point field goals. Um, I think somebody sent me that his last, I want to pull up the game log. He's had a shooting night kind of like this, um, like three out of the last four games where he's, uh, it, it might've been the exact two of nine here. Um, so again, you know, we gave here him comes the canvas lander. We mentioned, no, no, we mentioned the eight field goals last time as a, I just asked you guys, does yep. it worry you seeing that? Um, and then he had another, you know, night tonight where all he did was Jack threes missed a ton of them. Bobby, um, you were there. Yeah. So, Bobby, what do you think? You're there. Yeah, How did he it look out, to you? You're at the game. He he got out of the flow of things early, and then they started going back to that Tatum ball time at the end of this game. So it, it does bring back some of the concerns about the offense that you only get one shot throughout the flow of the game to make your statement, whether it's going to be facilitating or scoring the ball on the ball before they're going to move on to other options. Pretty early, they started funneling opportunity toward Jalen Brown. And then that second half, it was all about Tatum on the ball. That whole third quarter was yeah. him just so, being dominant. I think he hit all five shots. So he struggled early and they got away from him. That's what it was all about. Well, now he last, did have a bunch of assists. Last five games. And he did. Cause you're six. right. I mean, eight assists last game, six this game. And you like to see that from him last five games from three, Three of ten versus Milwaukee, two of nine New or two of nine New Orleans, two of nine Dallas, three of six versus Houston, and then two of nine again. Um, yeah, so he's, in a he's, bit of a, he's, off. he's in a bit of a rut here. Shooting slump. Yep. Well, I mean, I think he's gonna have to adjust though because he's he's playing off the ball a lot more now, right? Marcus Smart's been the point guard, especially since he since since the injuries when Marcus came back. I mean, we had a couple of games where obviously we, we talked about the, the the bad side of Marcus's game, but there's been a lot of good. Good part of good things to say about the way he's been handling the ball. And I think he's trying to kind of ramp up Kemba in that way. That way, Kemba doesn't always have to have the ball in his hand and he can sort of work on just purely scoring as opposed to bringing the ball up and trying to get the team into his offense. So I I, I think he's sort of 
transitioning into that. But I don't want, and we talked about this before, and even last season, I don't want Kemba to be coming to a space where he's thinking that he has to knock down three pointers to be effective. Because when he's attacking, when he's dancing, like the, like I like to say, when he's dancing and weaving through defenders, the last couple of games I've noticed, I just think that he's much more effective. And he, and oh, Josue's gone, but he Josue's right though. The thing yeah. is though, if if Kemba Walker doesn't have the ball in his hands, then he can't be that typical aggressive Kemba Walker driving in the hoop. Now he's the guy coming around screens or or whatever it is, taking threes, but he might just be going through a bit of a shooting slump right now. Josue, you got it. Go ahead, there? Jimmy. My bad. No, no, I just picked up where you – I finished your sentence because we lost you mid-sentence. Oh, so what, what, should his, what should his role be in the offense, guys? Because there are nights where he's dynamic enough on the ball – that he can create for himself and others. And I do think he's their best pick and roll passer by far. My question is if he gets out of it early, like what do you start two of eight in that first half and they get away from him off the ball? Like I think he had a nice cutting layup in that second half, but that was about it. And we're still seeing with him that, you know, they can get him catch and shoot opportunities from three occasionally, but he's well, just yeah. not dynamic enough off the ball that he's going to be making a big impact. But that's always that's that's been Kemba before. That was Kemba last year. How many times we see Kemba go two for seven in the first half and then drop twenty in the third quarter? I mean, obviously this was like pre-injury Kemba. This is like the very first couple of months of his tenure in Boston, Kemba. But I, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility that he can't return to being that guy down the stretch. I just I'm just worried that he's gonna get himself out of the game mentally if he misses three straight three pointers, or if he thinks that he doesn't, or or he doesn't. You think it's a mental Kemba. thing? I think it's a mental thing. When Kemba, when Kemba gets in his head a bit, when he feels like he's, he, he's, he's stepping on people's toes, I don't like that. I like him to be aggressive. I want him to not not worry about that, you know, because he's the veteran. He's the one that, at the end of the day, the, the, whether it's Jalen or, or, or Tatum, if one of those guys is having a, a cold shooting night, Kemba, Kemba's very more than capable so of, you think, of you think becoming, should keep, becoming that Kemba, becoming that second-half Kemba. You think he should keep firing away? I think he should keep – no, I think he should be – careful with his shot selection not not firing from three but picking other spots to attack you know yeah, nine, yeah. i like him you, i like him nine nine, nine out of what 12 attempts for your all threes that's yeah. too much i like attack I, mode. I like him in attack mode. Now, now that you have fournier you kind of almost would rather have fournier taking these threes right so i mean if you get right, right. i don't think you just get away from a guy like kemba walker he's too much a part of the of the team too much yeah. a part of the offense you know you whether or not Right. Whether or not he's the one ultimately taking the shot in the end is, you know, whatever. But you're not just going to get away from him. And there are going to be nights where I, he, where he's not the focal point of the offense, clearly. Yeah. They but can't again, get like away Joseph, from him. It's I just, feel like I mean. someone, they, they some clever guy on this show, I can't remember who, uh, suggested suggested maybe using him off, uh, coming off the bench. Um, yeah, uh, but again, we yeah, talked about it. It's not going to solve that league. much. You think this is rec league where he comes in with four other players and plays him, for six minutes, uh, him, and they sub in the other five him, guys. Him, Luke, Mo, and uh, who else? <laughs> yeah. Romeo are going to come in. Romeo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he would have done great in garbage time in the fourth quarter. Chill out the joke about Luke. I like Luke. They should have let him play the fourth. It'll still involve Tatum on his second rotation coming in at the at the end of the first, so you'll have a couple of them out there. But who's and got the ball in their hands? It's gonna be Tatum and or Jalen coming in later. He's gonna get he's he's gonna mix and match with starters there too. It's it's not it's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. They're in a tough spot now, John, and you've pressed this over and over again. Like get out from them if you can. Get out if you can. I just think it's so tough because if they trade him, they'll get so little back that even like the marginal production 
that he's occasionally putting out there still better than, you know, let's say Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley, for example. But on the other end of things, you have a point, John, like his fit now that Brown and Tatum have surpassed them as on ball players is super tough on this team. Like if, if we go back and watch November, 2019, the style he was playing, it was tons and tons of ball time point guard undisputed Tatum and Brown had a feed off him, his attacking, I don't think they can get back to that just because of how far Tatum and Brown have come. So, like, is there a middle ground that they can find? So that's the problem is, um, and again, it's right. He either has to completely redefine himself or, or, like, that's the thing. So this is why I keep coming back to it. I'm not like, oh, I'm a genius. I solved it. I should put him on the bench. Like, duh. Every friggin' anybody can theorize, try this, try that. The only reason I put it out there is because he either has to completely change – because. What happens? You play, he's right now trying to find the moment of the game where the game needs him, you know, because he's trying to be deferential and not just go into Kemba mode where dribble, dribble, try to get into the paint, get off that little jumper. So you think it's a mentality thing too? It's a, so either he changes the mentality completely and redefines himself as a player or you change his role. And that's why I think the second one is easier because I'd say, send him over there and just say, be you, man. Go take the ball, jack it up as much as you want. Your the second unit offense is yours to 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 do with as you choose. I think that's a more likely transition than it would be for him to say, "Can can you totally reinvent yourself and become Ray Allen and just run around off ball screens and wait for somebody to hit you with it and you know catch and shoot?" Like I don't think that's going to happen with him. Doesn't no, it's not, like and that's what everyone wanted. You know, in the first half of the year, everyone's blaming Kemba Walker because he's not. He's not a pass-first point guard that can just give the ball to Tatum and Brown. You know, it's like you can't, you can't take Kemba Walker and take everything that he's good at and tell him to do the opposite. So, yeah, I mean, again, you're you're trying to fit yeah, you you're trying to fit, right? You, but you're trying to fit a lot of pieces together that don't perfectly fit. And this team has, you know, over the last few years, Danny Ainge has had to get creative with guys coming in and coming out and leaving the team and trades and everything. So. Of course, it's not going to be a seamless, you know, fit everywhere. But I think Kemba Walker is a talented enough player where he can adapt to the game and give it what it needs at times. And again, the last two games, maybe that's aside from the bricks from three. I think he is. I think he is giving the game, you know, what it needs. I mean, no one was more like positively vocal about bringing on Fournier than I felt Kemba Walker was. It felt like he was extremely happy to get Fournier on this team. So I have a feeling that he's willing to, you know, bend a little bit on some of the things that he does out there in order to get a guy like Fournier involved more. Maybe that's what's happening. That's true too. Yeah. And you almost wonder like who should have the more shots, more opportunity of those two. Like it it becomes an even bigger lump of ball guys now because that's where Fournier is at his best. And we're seeing it now. They're getting him more involved, getting him those spot up jumpers. And not only is there one ball to go around, but there's only so many times that they can run these guys around screens and get them those threes. They can't just, they can't give that play to Brown five times and Tatum five. Like that, that can't be their entire playbook for the game. And they just take turns doing it. You know what I mean? So like you have a lot of guys on this roster who want to do similar things and somebody's going to have to sacrifice a little bit and diversify their game. And let's give credit to Fournier too. I wasn't sure he could play the style of ball that he's mostly been playing so far, catch and shoot, off-ball movement, you know, catch in the lane and finish. And he's doing that. He's putting his mind to that. And he might be the deferential guy who ultimately takes the backseat to even get Kemba more involved. 
So luckily he's succeeding in that role right now. We'll see if it continues. But there's another question there. Does he like that? Is that something that will spur him to re-sign with this team? It's a very complicated situation at the top of this roster when it comes to opportunity. And we saw how that worked out with Hayward. That was a big thing that seemingly pushed him outside the door. And they don't want to lose Fournier. Like that would be an absolute disaster as we've talked about. Yeah, no, no, no question. I mean, that's that's the part that everyone's worried about when the trade went down. Yeah, this is great. It's a great piece. But if you don't resign them, that, that's another hole that's you, you have to worry about again, you know, two months down the road. But yeah, I thought that was interesting too, Bobby. You know, he talked about uh, they used to get into a lot of battles when he played for the Hornets, you know, going up against the Orlando Magic. And, you know, it's one of those, uh, it sounds like one of those players where he, it's like uh, you can't stand him, but you you would love to have him on your team. So I think that's the situation there with Kemba. But how much does uh, Brad Stevens play in, in this, though? Does he play a part in this? Is he telling Kemba, look, I don't care if you miss four in a row, keep taking those threes because they're going to drop. Everyone maybe, maybe gets part of it. Yeah. You know, Everyone gets to chew whatever they want, Josue. That's the rule. Those are the rules. Well, that, it's that, a free for all. that much is obvious, John. That much is very much. That's very obvious. But I just with, with Kemba again, when he's attacking, it's just every good things happen when he's when he's doing that. When he's able to get and to you, the rim. And you said you know, this, Josue. <laughs> Not only do Brown and Tatum have to have the heart to heart, they might have to loop Kemba into that one and have a you know. <laughs> a group conversation if, about if not, the role. He should be the moderator. Kemba should be yeah. the moderator. <laughs> Which no, is not it's... happened. It hasn't happened. I, I, everybody watch, t- Evan, watch Evan called meeting. Evan, listen, guys. I know, I know, I know a thing or two about losing a lot. Let's let's change, <laughs> let's change things around in this place. Come on, you guys with me? Isn't that so? Evan and the Magic get such a bad rap as like being the worst team ever in the league forever. And meanwhile, they made two straight playoff runs before this year when they had a ton of injuries. No. Yeah, no, but they 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 personified what what I call the uh, NBA NBA purgatory, where yeah. like you're right there, you could make the playoffs, but you're not. You're not at the dead bottom to get the number one pick, but you're not going to get you know top ten. Like they've always been in that in that spot for like the last so, what four or five years. Where the Hornets were too. So, right. I don't Even know. What, what, John John says go to the bench. I I don't think that's the solution here. I think it, this is another situation with this team where everybody has to look themselves in the mirror. Brad, uh, uh, Danny has certainly assessed the situation. Uh, Tatum and Brown, they all have to come together and figure out the best solution to this verbally. Because right now it is just a free-for-all. Like, let's see who can get theirs wherever they want. And nobody is being strengthened by this except maybe Fournier right now just because he can fit in around all this all this a little better. Brown, too. Like, we got to pull Jalen Brown into this. It still feels like he's out of the picture far too often. Like, tonight, lighting it up early. Three straight threes. They're funneling him opportunity off the ball. And then he just gets lost a little bit in that second half. And that can't happen come playoff time. Brown has to be number two definitively every single night come playoff time. Yeah, but at the same time, though, when, when it's a 25-point game, I mean, they 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 did this the old-fashioned blowout style, right? I mean, we haven't seen this in a really long time. So yeah, I was, t- Tatum came out there and hit five straight shots, you know, doing his dancing isolation <clears throat> thing. It wasn't it wasn't a formula for success by any means. Right. What do you think, Jimmy? Don, Don I'm done with this it. game. I'm done with this game. That's I'm what I think. That Marcus, that Marcus Smart thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm on to Philly. Huh? We I'm could. On, 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 I, I did want to ask you guys one. I want to ask you guys one more question. Okay. Somewhat related to this game. Uh, this is something that continues to come up uh, in, uh, you know, in the chat 
and uh, you see it in Twitter all the time. And it's obviously hindsight uh, with these sorts of things is 2020. But the you know when you see it tonight, and we're having the Kemba discussion, and then you see Rozier, and we were talking about it on the thread. Um, He's calling. You, you, you asked this question. Um, I don't think anybody alive thought that this was a play that they were going to make that offseason when Kyrie left. Rozier was a goner. And, in fact, I think the only thing you can question in a hindsight move is whether Danny should have dealt Rozier um, midseason at the deadline um, to be able to get something back for him. And I think the answer to that is unequivocally absolutely yes. I think that was a big misstep. Um, but seeing as what – you know, knowing what we know now, would you have taken Terry for the money shot – Charlotte gave him, which again was considered a massive overpay. Everyone was like, "Charlotte, they give him this for what?" Um, versus Kemba, Kemba, right? Who at the time, everybody, everybody, myself included, was very excited about Kemba as a really good addition and a nice stopgap uh, after losing Kyrie, where you felt you might not lose that much. Um, so at the time, I don't think anybody would have said it, but now looking back, it. If you had it all to do over again, would they have been better off with Rozier and his money uh, versus what, what what they have with Kemba right now? So with his money is the key word. Obviously with his money, yes, because the big knock on Kemba is, you know, or not, not it's not even really, it's not Kemba's fault. It's, it's the Celtics cap situation is where it is right now. And obviously the less money you have tied to these guys, the less harder it's going to be to get out of it. Um, in an off season, if you're trying to, you know, trade players or anything like that. So based on the many, yes, here's what I'll say though, about Terry Rozier, great player, best fourth quarter guard of, of, of the year, really based on the numbers that we're seeing, but I'm not sure we talk about fit. I'm not sure he fits any better than Kemba Walker does, does he? What is going on something right now? Somebody is listening to something. I think it's Joe Sway. Now he's on mute. Okay. All right. Let me let me finish my thought. Sorry about my that, fellas. Try to get this thing from Max right now. Max, give me the scoop right now. I, I give me I one know, second. I know it too, and I'm trying to get it also. So Nick's trying to get get it for Why us. Why am well. I out of the loop here? I'll tell you about it in a little bit. All right. Let me just finish my freaky thought. Okay. Even though nobody even cares anymore. Joe Sway's muted. Doesn't even know. What's the it. point? Of, what's the point of this show? The, what yeah. Is what the is the point of this? of this show? All right. Listen. This is what I say about Rozier. Fit-wise with this Celtics team, I'm not sure he's any better than Kemba is. Horrible and I don't fit. think he's anywhere Horrible. near – I don't think he's anywhere near the type of a leader and, and, and like, sort of – and this isn't really a knock at Rozier. It's just that I just think the Celtics with Kemba, uh, with Brown and with Tatum needed maybe an older guy, somebody that could sort of um, allow them to do their thing. I don't think Rozier had any – any intention of, of handing the reins over to a guy like Brown or a guy like Tatum, you know, and he's proven that, you know, he can, he can be a, a star in, in his own right. So I, he's not necessarily wrong for that. I just think you have three head, three budding heads in Rozier, Brown and Tatum, um, you know, all vying for, you know, you talk about you shoot, I shoot. I think you get a lot I of don't that disagree. Yeah. with a guy like Rozier here. And I think that's honestly, I think him and Kyrie were, were button heads. I think he, he, they were, they were really the two that, you know, were button heads uh, when you talk about, the chemistry For being sure. off. So, so yeah, I, I think the Celtics made the right decision. But that being said, I love Rozier. I mean, Scary Terry, you know, he's fun to watch. I just don't think that – you'd have Great to bring, personality. You'd have to you, – if you were going to keep Rozier, you, you almost might have to think about trading, like, Brown because I just don't think they all would be able to fit together. That, that whole era from, like, 2016 through 2020 that ultimately was, uh, so much of it gets blamed on Kyrie. 
but you do have to look back on some of the other characters that were involved, like Terry Roger. And I know he just got a standing ovation during pregame tonight, and they were going nuts when he was swapping jerseys with Rob Williams after the game. And nice. they love him. You know, he had that moment against Milwaukee and even in that Philly series to some degree where he was just a brilliant, aggressive guard for this team when uh, Smart was down, when Kyrie was down in that postseason, he stepped up in a massive way. And I'll say this too, he gets the blame for that game seven against Cleveland, even though he was phenomenal in the game six at Cleveland where they could have clinched yeah, the series. Yeah, they all did, but he was pretty completely off in that game. But the next year <clears throat> where he had to go back to being that third guard, it was just clear that he wasn't comfortable with it and made it known. Day yeah. after the season, he goes on first take and starts talking about us not running the plays and not doing things right and this and that. Uh, there were just murmurings all around the team of his, uh, you know, dissatisfaction with his role. And yeah. I thought during that year that Ainge could have solved a lot of problems by trading him. And I still believe that to this day. That could have salvaged that team to some degree. Uh, you know, whether it would have worked out long term to do that, whether they would have even got anything. I just think he was so unhappy on that team that he needed to go. And ultimately, that was a big reason he ended up going to Charlotte. They got Kemba out of the deal. And I just think that's where everyone ultimately wanted to end up. Kemba wanted to be in Boston. Roger won his own team. And that was the history. And so even if Roger wanted to stay and that would have been a good fit, I still say keep Kemba because I, I believe the 2020 Celtics had a chance to win a championship. And that was with Kemba, Brown, Tatum, and Hayward. That team, when they were healthy, were so dominant that year. That I don't they think probably, they beat the Lakers, but they should have gone there. They should have yeah. gone there. And so I think that run was worth Kemba, even if the rest of the contract doesn't go amazingly. And I don't, do you think Roger could have, at point guard, done the same thing with that team? I mean, it's impossible to say. I think he's certainly talented. He's certainly talented enough. But I just, again, I think it goes back to do these guys play, will they play well together, right? I mean, we're already seeing that issue to an extent right now. And I just think tossing in a guy like Roger, who, like you said, Bobby, Clearly was dissatisfied dissatisfied with his role. Clearly thought he was just as good as these other guys that were playing in front of him. And credit to him, he's gone on to the Hornets and he's showed that he is, you know, a star in this league and one of the better, you know, clutch. But one of the, he's playing like one of the best clutch point guards in the NBA this season. So again, I mean, is he a type of guy who's going to take a backseat to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Absolutely not. So I just don't think it would have worked here. Now, money wise, sure you're paying him less, and you know he allows you to, you know get out from underneath the contract easier. And I mean, he's an extremely tradable guy if he needed to, if he was putting this type of production up, um, unlike Kemba Walker, who many feel like, you know, including John feels like isn't tradable at all. No. Yeah. And the case, the case for him would be, you can go long-term with him, with Brown, with Tatum and kind of build something there with a core rather than Kemba being a bit more of a short-term fix that isn't in line with those guys' ages. Right. I just think at that time it was a no-brainer too, Jimmy. I mean, you, you bring in a veteran, a perennial all-star. Besides the fact that Rozier obviously has shown that he can come up big in the in the postseason, I I just don't think he has pains to do. I mean, yeah. uh, from the Celtics' perspective at least, right? I mean, if you're looking from from the way things ended after 2019 season, it's like, wait, let's try to get one. You know, let's try to split this up as much as we can without mm-hmm. breaking. You know, the, the the best core guys that we have, and of course that was uh, Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, and then they traded for an all-star in Kemba Walker. So I just think at that time it was just too much of a no-brainer to just say, you know what, let's just give the young guy a shot here. I just think they would have been it, – it's too it's too risky. It was too risky of a move. It, it was a 1,000% an obvious move to let Rozier leave and to 
bring Kemba on. I and again, I don't think you can debate that. Yeah, I how can you say no? How can you say no to an All Star that really wants to come to your team? It wasn't. It was. There was a, at that point. If you asked poll the thousand people, it would have been nine ninety nine who would have said, "Absolutely, are you are you kidding? Of course it's Kemba." I'm literally saying, right. looking back at it now, you know, it's not. No, I get it's, what you're saying. It's no, people's jobs to make these determinations about who the long-term fit is and whether this guy's knees are going to hold up or how that style of play. But what Jimmy said right out of the gate, I think, is the number one point here, which is um, everyone will see the stats, see Rozier playing. His efficiency is way up this year over what it's been, and that's kind of the difference. He's knocking down more threes. He's, he's shooting at a higher clip. I mean, people have to remember, his final season with the Celtics, my God, God was he disaster. Bad. Oh, even in the as playoffs, bad as too. it gets, both in terms of refusal to accept his role, but also just his percentages across the board were so so bad. He had such a bad year after that amazing stint in the playoffs there. So it was really depressing to see it. I mean, he shot 38% from the floor. I mean, he was a really and he was just a chucker. And honestly, he was never a good shooter. His he'd never he still uh, isn't, isn't he 41 now? No, he's 47% this year, which is crazy. Really? He, had, yeah. he had never eclipsed 40%. He never eclipsed 40 yeah. Yeah. Ever. Okay. But but the threes were okay. 38%, 35% his last two years they were passable. But I mean, he'd never eclipsed 38%. Uh, thirty. I mean, forty percent shooting. That was a big indicator too. If you're the that's like a red flag, you know. Yeah. But the Celtics have been so fortunate with these scoring uh, point guards. It's just like, well, wait a minute. This guy's not even in the 40 percent. No, absolutely not. Like you, you went from Isaiah's uh, MVP candidate season to uh, Kyrie Irving, what he does with that basketball on a string and you know tearing it up, and then you go to Rozier, not putting up forty. Yeah. Not not being able to sustain a 40% shoot percentage. Like that's like, wait a minute. Brad's like, I can't, I can't have this. I can't deal with this. Is my starting point guard. He's been spoiled yeah. a bit in a good way. Right. You know, something, they've, been good, they've been good. That basketball guard's been good to them in that, in that point guard spot. Score first point guard who doesn't, who, who isn't really able to score at a, at a, at a, at a, at a high enough clip um, to justify his existence. I think it's an automatic. So I'm going to tell you guys what we were talking about here. So, yes. Um, Word had come to us, and Josue has it here. And again, I'm not saying this to draw credit. I just want to put it put it out there because it's out there. Um, so Marcus apparently was on. Um, let's see. Let's see how many y'all backpedal. Go ahead. Huh? No, I, say, no, I want to see how many guys backpedal. Uh, no, not one bit. I, what I will say is I will defend one person in this thing. But Marcus Smart actually calls out the Garden Report by name in a post game interview with. Max talking about his on-the-ball defense. Uh, it's been brought up on this show before that Marcus um, is not – he's not regularly assigned the other team's really quick, jittery, uh, two-guard, top-scorer sort of person, and we've talked about whether or not Marcus is that kind of guy. I don't think he's been that kind of guy for, 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 for a couple of years, despite the fact that he's Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's much better guarding – Bigger physical guys are out of position. We saw the job he did on Zion the other day. He still guards, he still draws tough assignments, but whether or not he's able to stay in front of really quick, jittery, uh, score, score first guards, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it's really ever been the case, truthfully. Um, but that came to his attention in some way, and he flat out said, and I think he attributed it to Sherrod. Well, I don't think Sherrod has said that, but Sherrod might have been part of a conversation about that, that, uh, you know, that's BS. I thought he was the one that said the shiftier guards, though. If I'm not mistaken, what's, what's, I, I remember, what's the I remember I'm not, I'm not responding lie. directly to Shiraz. Shiraz said, uh, with the shiftier guards, I'm not quite sure he can stay up with them. So I agree with that. 
Do I agree with that, but the, the, the first I've said that a lot, the so I'm going to eat it. I'm gonna, I've said it a bunch before Sherrod oh, yeah. started coming on the show. That's but true. it's possible Sherrod said it time. himself, but I don't, Wait, I don't remember. Do we John, have you've been saying that since, since last year. That's true. Is there, a, is there a quote or something? Or I don't know. I don't know where he got it. But Jimmy's all scared. Look at Jimmy. <laughs> no, I just – I feel like I'm out of the loop. I don't know. You, I don't know you, what, you, went, you went in on Marcus, bro. You went in on – No, he's asking, do you have sound or a quote from Smart? The bad yeah, news I, is he watches the garden report, so no. watch what you say, Jimmy. No, I just didn't know if we had sound Marcus on now. it. You're gonna love Marcus now. <laughs> no, my, my opinions are won't change. I mean, I, I've you know, we've talked about Marcus a million times. I think he's great at what he does, you know. And if if the it's it, listen, what I, what we say won't determine what Marcus Market's role or you know career ar arch is here in Boston. So no, he really plays better, Matt. Yeah. We, we might get credit for this Friday night. <laughs> Friday night was his best defensive game of the year. Remember, best we said defensive that. game. What What did Marcus do? He played phenomenal defense and he didn't shoot a lot. If, if, <laughs> if we're gonna eat that one, and that's the Marcus Smart you get the rest of the year, we'll eat it. We'll yeah, take it. You know what about what about what I was talking about when we started the show? The fact that he's been taking over the point guard duties and doing a damn good job at it. You know, I mean, like. For what for the things that he does bad, it's just like I feel like most Celtics fans, not just you, John, a lot of Celtics fans, they just completely forget all the other stuff. And it's just like, well, wait a minute. Because the team isn't 500, okay, yeah, I can understand your frustration, but who's the bigger scapegoat than Marcus Smart? Since last year, everything falls on Marcus. He just comes back, and then they drop a couple of games. Oh, Marcus is doing that shooting thing again. It's just like, well, wait a minute. That's part of the problem, but it's not the whole issue here. That's, well, not, that's not like get him out of town issue right it's not that serious it's not that deep our comments were pretty glaring about him too because of his notoriety as a phenomenal defender but we've talked about jason tatum and jalen brown as well who while ha they haven't honed their reputations in on being all world defenders were crucial defenders on this being a top five defense last year and they have slipped as well so you can say smart brown and tatum all three of them have slipped because of the bigger offensive load that they've taken on. That usually happens in the NBA. Right. It's just a natural thing. Kawhi Leonard, if you look at Kawhi Leonard these last two years, he has not been a very good defender. And he's known as the best defender in the right. universe. You see that. You, you see it based off of assignment choices. The last time they played uh, Kawhi, he's not guarding Tatum. Yeah. You know? Oh, and that's so just... And that's, you know, like it's all this blame we're placing on everybody's a little imperfect because should should Smart be the third option on the team like he has been for most of this year? Probably not. He should be on the bench and fixating on defense. But because of the roster that Danny Ainge put in place, that's the role that he had to take on. So, like, you know, it's not us just drilling Smart saying he's being lazy or, you know, not not he's not even physically the defender he's in the past. We know it's he's capable of it. But on this team, in this current role, a fact is a fact. He just hasn't been the same defender this year. No. Fine. Just yeah, fact. fine. I mean, listen. <laughs> it's fact. Yeah, but, but, no, but every, it's not every get him player. out of town type of level, though. We're right? not. He's, not but, he's, polarizing, he's, a, he's a polarizing player. Look, no, I know, he's always but, been a polarizing player, Josue, because his value, his value supposedly transcends um, – the numbers or what you see or it, it's based on intangibles right. and that's where always no matter what that argument is going to go because you're going to see it stat lines you're going to see shooting percentages you're going to see the, the those games where he's you know jacking tons of threes uh games where he's he has lapses he has a three-point friggin heave the other day and then breaks down you know uh the you know 
the next three plays after that, and the Celtics kind of fought, you know, go in the tank against New Orleans. There's a lot of there. He's a polarizing figure because of look, I mean, we're not talking about people forget about Marcus Smart a lot of times, like the waves they've ridden with him as an organization over the years. I mean, there was, there was times where the question was, can you keep this guy around anymore? And obviously he's righted that ship and he's kind of taken on the role of like the spiritual, you know, an emotional leader on the team. But I mean, this guy's been all over the map with it. And then you throw in inconsistencies and inefficiencies. He's a lightning rod. He's always been, he always will be till years after he's gone. That's not going to change. Yeah, no, but okay. Let me ask you this, John. How yeah. many times have you mentioned that he's he's all NBA defense? How many times have you ever on this show have you ever mentioned it? I've mentioned it to talk about whether or not it's legit. Yeah. No. Well, no, not even. You didn't even mention it. You just talk about oh, he's 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 regarded as his defensive god, but never once do you mention his act, his biggest accolade. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where I'm getting at, John. Like it's well, just like people. It's easy to forget because you're so so to speak in your feelings about this team. What's wrong with this? What's wrong? Oh yeah, Marcus again. And so yeah, that's on the list, but it's, it's a long list of things that's with this team. I, you know? I but that's and, thing, it, and smart thing. smart was out forever too. Let's not forget that he was out for like over twenty games. No one talks about that. No, but listen, the the issue that people have with smart is it's not listen. His defense isn't the issue. You it's can not say the that issue. It, you can say that maybe it hasn't been up to up to par with what we've seen in the past, and maybe he doesn't make all NBA defense this year. I don't know. But the issue is when you know the shots the shots start to go up in numbers and they're not falling, and you know sometimes he you know might make a you know. A pass that maybe you shouldn't have made a little, you know, extra, you know, boneheaded play, something like that. That's what frustrates people. It's not, it's not people getting mad at him because of his defense. Nobody it's people saying, why is he taking sixteen shots? That's when people get upset with him. Yeah, the but then it's like he- it's like when you're in the middle of an argument, and it's like, and you know what? On top of everything, you're not even that good at defense. You know what I mean? Like that's been no, the narrative. That's, to me. that's what people say. No. You got to stick with the facts on it. What we're saying is, is he the guy who is locking down another team, another like? dynamic scoring guard game after game you give him that assignment and he chases that guy no, around I, all game. I, I, get, I get what you're saying how many but 40 I, point games from like yeah, but, from from scorers are we you, did the celtics you know, eat this year what if, so but I, you're literally I, I, pointing I, out that you can still be good at defense and not necessarily be that and literally if that's the criticism which is marcus smart is a terrific uh, team defender. He can guard lots of different positions, so his defensive versatility is a huge asset. But the one knock on him defensively where I think he gets more credit than he necessarily deserves is he's not locking down the other team's best player on a night-in, night-out basis. And you've had a lot of guys go for 40 against the Celtics team. So if you have a guy, and we've said that about Jalen too, if these guys are supposed to be real defensive stoppers, you shouldn't be eating as many of those games. And I understand it's team defense. That's the criticism Nobody's saying he's not a great defender. Of course he is. He does a million different things defensively. He's we're literally talking about one aspect of his well, game on the defensive the, side. That's yeah. the other side of it too. It's it's not going to be one guy who's shutting down another player it's in not. this defense. It's a it's team a, thing. That's just no, not how it works. And that's how that's how Avery Bradley started to slip on the end a little bit too because he was trying to make up for Isaiah and there was a lot of switching yes. and a lot of handoffs and stuff. So, again, this defensive meltdown, it's its not about smart. It's about 
Tice early on this year, and Thompson certainly who wasn't doing a good job, and Tatum and Brown, like everybody's been involved in this. Grant's been a disaster. Like it's just a whole team failure on the defensive end, and I think that's probably why Smart gets frustrated with this because he knows that. And uh, when you start pointing out individuals within this, it can get a little bit touchy. I mean, we can talk about Kemba too. Like at the end of the day, he's just he's just not a great defender because of his size, and it is that's what it. it is. They attacked yeah. him early he in tries this one. Hard. And he got hammered, yeah. Um, so you, you can give him credit for his positioning and all that because, again, this team plays team defense. It's switching. It's handoffs. It's all that stuff. No one – really, It's all yeah. switching anyway, so it doesn't really matter who you're starting on in this and that. It's, it, this is a small – again, this is a nitpicky aspect if yeah. the Celtics played like tear through the screens and like stay with your man and you know had smart face guarding Jamal Murray or whoever it is in games, you might see a different result for Smart. He might actually be capable of walking down in that way. But it's tough in today's yeah. league. Like the league, even since like Marcus Smart came into the league, the league has changed so much. We talk about that all the time. And you have to like sacrifice a little bit now in the individual pieces because teams can just so easily get smart off of Murray or whoever else, I don't know who would be in this game, Roger, and get Roger onto uh, Kemba. Like, they can do that at will. And so that's that's where it gets tough for great guards like Smart who want to D up a guy one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Smart's an emotional guy, so he's going to, you know, if, if he, you know, if, if you know, you could, it's like any, anybody else in the world. You say a hundred great things about them and then one bad thing. They're only going to think about the one bad thing. So yeah, yeah. but we still, I mean, smart gets a lot of criticism. Oh, from I know, but just in general life. though. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like I said, he's a lightning rod type of guy. This, his, his this shooting's a big one. Smart is the least, like I said, is of all of the things, as Joe Sway said, that people pick on with smart, whether it's this show, this chat, general media fans on Twitter. It's Twitter. not, it's not, it's defense. not this yeah. aspect of his game. This is something that we mentioned that I don't know that he necessarily is the guy who locks down, you know, players or is playing at the best one-on-one yeah. -on -one defensively. That's the least criticism. Most of the stuff with smart is the shot selection and the other thing. So yes, he definitely gets criticized for stuff. This is such a small sliver of it. Um, and it doesn't detract from his overall, defensive presence on the court so but again that's a strange thing for him to get of all the things to get nitpicky about or for him to get upset about from the criticism i think it's i mean we saw him earlier in the year he got really testy on the shot thing right how yep. many times were people asking him about it and he's like mm -hmm. i'm a shooter i'm gonna freaking shoot yeah. yeah look mm -hmm. the, you have a guy like smart that's what he he believes he's the he you can't be successful unless you have some type of ego right no, no. Now let's defend this. Let's, yeah. let's defend this a little bit too, though, because this team factually has not been a good defense this year. It's the same team, it's the same personnel, and they went from five to within the last month, like twenty fourth. So what is it? Is it effort? Is it engagement? Is it individuals within it? We have to consider all of this because we're. You know, no one on this team is going to call out individuals and they're all going to say it's a team. So you got to go down the list and start approaching everybody's role in it all, especially the best defenders who have been held to that standard over time. Like Jalen's gotten it too, right? And Tatum, you've mentioned it. It's it's across the board. Yeah, yeah. it's across the board. I just think 100%. I mean, I, I think what led into that conversation or at least what, how it got so heated or whatever it was, but it, it was – was this before the deadline or right after? Either way, it was about. It was about could Gordon. The, could the Celtics have exactly the Gordon? Do you, do you make a deal? Is Marcus Smart the according to Mark Murphy 
Was he the deal breaker? Is he the reason why Aaron Gore is not in Celtics right now? Right. And that's what led to this whole conversation. And I think that's what we forget. And we have we have reports we too. Were, it was it wasn't a conversation about oh uh Marcus what is it? Marcus isn't a good that good of a defender anymore. It's more of how valuable is Marcus on the Celtics compared to other teams. I think that's how the whole thing started. Various people have reported too that Smart heard his name in rumors and did not like it. And the, there was word of a sit down with Ainge where Ainge said, you know, you were never on he the table. Yeah. Yep. So, Look, so again, this is this is a very frustrating time for him because it felt like he was on the verge of heading out of town. That's what I mean. The 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 teeny the the, the thing with Marcus Smart getting upset about a comment about, you know, specifically whether or not he's a you know terrific on the ball defender or able to guard quick mobile guards is so it, I think is really more of a reaction to his name coming up makes you have a debate on whether or not Marcus Smart should still be here. And when that comes up, you're it's just a it's a full autopsy. You know, it's an yeah. audit. Everyone spends all the time talking about what you do and don't do and whether it's worth you being traded or not. And the people who want to make the trade are going to point out all of your warts. And that's why people hate having their names come up in trade discussions, because then everyone sits here and says, I'm all set with it. If 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 consensus and we saw it building both in like you saw Twitter polls in our chats, people were ready to go like, yep let's move on from this guy even though people love him and they think he's a heart and soul player and they think he's a one-of-a-kind guy it seemed and that, like and that wasn't right yeah th- it this seemed is like sh- the vibe was yeah it's a, it's about time to move on here and when you start to hear that stuff that sucks well it was more like yeah it was more like if it happens like you know if it happens it happens i think people were resigned to the fact that it could have happened you know and People, yeah, and people probably should have labored over it a little more. I think people get caught up in that deadline flurry. They want to see action. They want to see players flipping here and there. And you don't even get into the fact that you can make a trade and make yourself worse. And I labored over that one for days and days. I yep. still haven't even decided over it. Because, again, what's Gordon? We can pick Gordon's game apart for days and days. You so can pick it was no, everybody's game apart. Yeah, yes. it wasn't a no-brainer at all. And again, no. I think we were all in a similar place on that one. Like, it might be a good idea, just given where Smart is. But man, you could rip Smart out of this room and just watch the house fall. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. And that was my main point. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe he's not locking down the Kyrie Irving's of the world or whatever, you know, this year. But it's the culture. It's a, it's he's the anchor of the defense, and it's a culture that starts and ends with. Him. Him. It's not sure they struggled a bit when he wasn't there. Sure, yeah, they did win the games as well. But I, I just think all that again, that value is not the same on another team. It's it's exclusively for the Celtics, and hence why he has the the team friendly deal. The, the, it all lines up. Bat, battle team defense. Bad all year with him here. Bad when he was gone. It's it's just not been there's, good. There's, there's other stuff too, though. I mean, we yeah. think about his fiery personality, his ability to call guys out. Uh, he's going to be the guy who freaks out in the room. I don't think anyone else in that room is going to do that. We talk right. about Brad, that, that not being Brad's role. So if, if you pull him out of that and you bring in another guy in Gordon, that's another intangible loss for the team. Again, what what have we talked about where you lose with Smart if you made this trade? It's you don't have another playmaker right now, and right now you have to have him out there distributing because nobody else is doing it. Especially um, with Kepa's condition. So you have to. Um, and two – that kind of motivator guy. What are the two knocks on the team right now? Nobody's getting them the ball, and they need a little kick in the ass because they come up with low energy. That's that's Smart's job. So when you're talking about trading him, you're giving up two things that you desperately need in the moment, which is what made the Gordon conversation a difficult conversation, which is, yeah, Gordon seemingly has the type of skill set and a player that you're looking for, but 
they don't have anybody who can simulate what smart does for the team. And if you remove it, you're losing. How much are you losing? It could be a ton. You know, or, that- or it could, you might not really notice it and then you move on and that's that. Right. But credit, that's credit, the debate. That's credit, all that's in the debate. Credit to Danny Ainge too, though. They, they got the player in the position they needed. They got it for very cheap and they retained smart and all their picks into the future, which is all you could ask for. Like this team was begging for an upgrade. They got one. It's working out so far. And now they get to keep smart. They get to keep these picks to use in future deals. I, again, I came out of that deadline absolutely thrilled, even though they didn't get the Gordon thing done. I feel better about it now after watching Fournier the last couple of days. But again, <laughs> you, want to see it, you want to see it high level. You know, it's it's less about the player and more about what happens next with the next year and how much you pay for them. And like I said, re-signing Smart, re-signing, you know, giving extending Rob and doing Fournier. That's a lot of money you're going to have to pay just to keep this team together. I don't know how much closer it gets you to a championship. So it's less about the player. I do want to see Fournier do it against better teams. Um, mm-hmm. We do want to move on a little bit and talk about the Sixers because that's – oh, we lost Joe Sway. Um, we do have the Sixers coming up, um, and Embiid is back. Um, so it, this is an interesting little two-game stretch here for the Celtics. Absolutely. Got, we get Knicks and you get Sixers, Sixers and the Knicks, right? Is that is that the two-game stretch, I think? Back to back. So yeah. the, the question is not only – I mean – I hate playing the hypothetical, like if you lose or if you get smoked by Philly. Let's bring Joe Sway back in here. They're gonna um, get that win. Philly's going down. You think so? <laughs> I think so. So, think so one, there's always that kind how of like. About, well, how about a test for Rob? It's a huge yeah, test for Embiid's back, and they were talking about it on the broadcast, and Scal brought it up, so it's interesting to me. Like, um, he was almost like, so I know Rob's your starter, but he's like, but are you? are you really going to start him against Embiid? You know, like, it's like, I don't know who else you're going to start. Thompson, against Thompson. But this is we, we watched Thompson not work there either. This is where you come back to it. And you're like, um, who else? Like what who else? Like it's that. Like we back. Like we Nobody said. is good against Embiid. So right. if Rob struggles here, it's not going to be an indictment on him. Nobody's good against Embiid. So what do you expect? Right. Sink or swim, right? Well, the Bobbies yeah, well, of the world will use it as an indictment on Rob. They'll say, see, he's not ready. But honestly, though, when you're, I mean, I will say this. Speaking of Embiid, and we had this debate last MVP show, game. did you see Carl Anthony Towns dunk all over Embiid? The same Carl Anthony Towns that Bobby laughed out of this discussion when I brought, when, we, when Sherrod brought him up recently as a potential um, piece in the offseason that the Celtics could theoretically go after. Problem Anyways, is, that's that's besides the point. But what problem is Towns follows out and Bede goes to the line seventeen times and Philly wins. So right, like yeah, Towns Philly, got his moment, Philly. but <laughs> again, Towns still had a good line. I, mean, he, I think he dropped like thirty six. Towns had a good line. Yeah, nobody can stay with Embiid, but Towns had a good line. Right, oh, but anyways, it's, yeah. it's the following. He gets to the free throw line, unlike anybody we've seen in recent that's history. What are you gonna yeah, do? That's going to be yeah. big for Rob, but but at least now Brad has a couple of more uh, players that can that can use on some fouls, right? That's and, my and fear is Rob's Rob's in Rob's got three fouls in the first quarter, and that's it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You Which that's what that's what happen. that was my only concern really with the whole should Rob start or not? It's just like oh, you rack up foul, he's he's, he's going to be done mentally for the rest of the game. But I think he's a, he's a much stronger, he's in a different different space now. But yeah, I just think with other guys, the new players, the defense. Luke Cornett going out there. You could throw all the different players at him, but it's not going to stop him. But 
I think they're in better shape, whereas you didn't have those buttons yeah. before. They Grant need Williams, Tristan. I'm still, I'm still holding out that Grant, Grant can go in and just give you solid uh, defense, along with maybe a couple of threes. You know, it's gonna be a really good game. It's a really good test for this in the way that they've been. That's, uh, is this the, a the way, they, the way they look lately? By the way, that's a that's a great point, Joe Sway. This is definitely a game where Grant gets involved because we saw it. We saw it, Boston. We bought you Boston use him against Giannis in that series last week, and it worked out well. Just him being able to hold his ground in the post. That's where Grant wants to defend, not on the perimeter chasing guys around, but you know holding his ground out there. The problem is Embiid can shoot over him fairly easily with the height difference. But if you get Embiid right. shooting, that's what you want him doing. So I'm if Grant, Rob, sorry, go ahead. I don't think this is a Cornette one. Cornette's going to get destroyed down there. Not, but. I don't mean no. I, I was going to say, I'm talking about what he does for, <laughs> for, for setting screens and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think coming yeah. off the bench, like, you need someone that can just set those hard screens. And I love what Cornette's doing. I know it's not a whole lot of playing time, but it, it's like he's getting familiar with, with, the, with the offense. And I, no, I'm not talking about the defensive side of things. I just like, I just like to see uh, new. These these new buys out there, they're being productive on both ends, but they're doing little things. Whether it's just getting open inside, or even he's not open. He has great hands to to finish right right underneath the hoop. Uh, he's setting up screens that that giving up giving up space, you know. And that's just the whole uh, pace and space what Brad Stevens' offense used to be the mo. I mean, it's starting to get back to that. Wow, it's been months since we've seen that. Man, though, if. If Tobias Harris is giving you 30, though, it's game over. Like 32 against Minnesota, I'm oh, looking that at. Yeah, and that's what, th that's what happened in the last series, too. The Celtics did what they could against Embiid. But then, you know, Simmons gets a triple-double. And Harris goes out there and scores 25-30. And then you got Seth Curry now, who was the best three-point shooter in the league to start this game. That team's become a load offensively. And that's why they're 10 games rather than the Celtics. Jimmy, what's the answer to Embiid? Go ahead. Say it. Who's got to play? Taco. Taco is the guy that's going to come up. in. With a straight face and <laughs> Did everything. Did you guys see Taco tonight with the uh, – looked like uh, – what's Gal say? Akeem? Akeem the Dream on that, on that one. That hooked it in. Post up. <laughs> took, yes. First of all, took like, took 36 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it was I could hear him thinking I, each was, step at a, at a time. Each step is okay. <laughs> oh. Right. I've then, never seen what, what it looks like a warm-up drill. Larry Nick said this, right? Okay, right. Yeah. I've never Tago seen just going through like in his head. Okay, more they told me on a basketball court in my life than that. <laughs> that was tough. It's like that was tough. you can't but, like, dude. I'm standing here. Yeah. Like, if I know you're going over here, like you're moving so slow. I'm already at your next spot. Make your next <laughs> fake. Every time we go to fake somewhere else, the defender's like, "All right, I'm here now." Like, are you? <laughs> I'm at, I'm at my parents' spot for Easter, and my even my dad was just like, "That was ridiculously slow. Like, what?" Was that? <laughs> that was crazy. Oh no, my but god, that was slow. On a serious note, though, yeah, I mean, MB MB's just a problem. He's going to be a problem. They they don't have an Embiid stopper, but you know, join the rest of the league. I mean, if Rob can stay out of if if this team can stay out of foul trouble, then you know they'll be able to roll with him. I really hope the Celtics can compete in this game. Otherwise, it's gonna feel like fool's gold. Fool's gold. The last couple of games, because at the didn't end of the Philly, day, didn't Philly just destroy them in that series at the beginning of the year? It was not even close. Yeah. No, it was not close. It wasn't close. And that's why I really hope that the Celtics can compete this time around. They should compete. I mean, this isn't. You know, they're neither team is. They're ten that games worse than this game, than, Jimmy. I know, but when you go when you go to last season, are they are they really both this far off from where they were last season? I mean, I, you would think the Celtics could at least again compete in this game. 
We talked about it. Okay. Who was it? Um, I forget. There was a team coming right out of coming right out of um, the All Star break that, that we we wanted them to compete with, and and they did. Oh, the Bucks. The Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks. The, the, the back the Bucks. To back. Yeah. 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 Um, well, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games. No, yeah, there's a, there's a formula for success here, Jimmy. This is actually where you like Brad and love that Stevens is the coach. He has good game plans for these kind of matchups where it's so central on one player. And if other guys on Philly have bad games and they're able to really key in on Embiid, all of a sudden it becomes a more winnable game. And I'll say this about Rob. We got some film of him playing Embiid in that preseason game because he was the only guy playing. And he held his ground in there, at least physically. Now, the fakes and shots and all that stuff got tricky, but the physicality of that matchup. He's got to stay on his feet. At the end of the day, you got to play him honest and just not just – you just can't foul him. If, if Embiid gets 70 points, so be it. Rob can't come out of that game and you can't – Well, Rob's can't. got seven, you know, seven, six length, right? He, he can use all of that. Just and wait. Just, yeah. Go try to pick that shot out of the air or just play it clean and just put your body in position and do the best you can. He starts frigging going for everything or going for up fakes or trying to body. Um, you know, he's gonna get he's gonna get he's gonna get torn up. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh it's you know it's gonna be a challenge. My fear is like this is a come back down to earth sort of game. You get you feel you're feeling nice off of Houston and Charlotte. However, you go in there and you run with them. I mean, again, I hate saying like, "Oh, put too much emphasis on one game, one way or the other." But it really—I really am curious to I see mean, after a couple of games of not just you know tearing up another team, but seeing them play the way you want them to play right. uh, with crazy ball movement. You know, guys taking shots who you want taking shots. Obviously, Fournier playing well the last couple of games. Uh, you, this is this is all you want to see. You just have to apply it to a good team and see if see if it works. So I, I am interested to see it. Well, I'll say this too. This will be a great moment for Tristan Thompson to run out there, get back into action, and Still have a good game. Right. And just follow the shit out of MB a bunch. Hey, again, in this hey, matchup, this is, why, this is why Thompson's here. It was a disaster the first time, but go out there and give it another try. This yeah. is where you want him. You want him for this matchup. You want him for Milwaukee. You want him for Miami. That's- I forgot. Jalen ate up Simmons last game, huh? Yeah. I was, so I was just gonna—I was trying to say that I'm also interested in that matchup because that's been a nice little. Remember the crossover like, setback move? Yeah. He ate him up, man. That yeah. was, and Simmons is as good as it gets there. Um, you know, defending. this should be a fun one. This is gonna be a TNT one, probably, right? Yep, it's on TNT. Yeah. Nice. At the Garden, it's a great way towards the end of this uh, home stand. You know. Then you wonder. Does Kemba play in that next game? At this point, we're so, so far so in the season. Do you guys think if you do, you, which, which no game still. is more important, and and which one do you have a better chance to win? Would you consider resting Kemba against Philly so no. he plays against the Knicks, seeing as no, no? probably not. That's like you a want him. You want him in that matchup against the against the Sixers. As and a, like, like, I don't have an issue with him not playing not playing on the second night of back-to-backs because that's not how it's done in the playoffs, you know? So it's all about getting him ready for playoff. Um, yeah, playoff you want to see how you stack up here. Yeah. And, and you, this is this is the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, you can't you gotta take on this challenge. You got you gotta play your your, your best your best bodies. It's gonna yeah. be a round one Great. matchup. <laughs> yeah. The way it's stacking up in the east. Yeah, uh, well it, that that fourth that fourth playoff spot that fourth playoff seat is wide open. So I mean really that's that's it was Charlotte. Imagine four that. or five. I mean either well, one. I mean you want to really avoid six, seven, and eight. 
I mean, it's Miami again, and I think it's Miami's to lose. Um, hey, Celtics are one to zero against them. Yeah, but it is. Um, it's unreal how tight it is. It's one game in the loss column right now from the Celtics to the Heat at four. I mean, it's yeah. one game. It's one game. Period. <laughs> so yeah, yeah just, crazy. I mean, again, I, I guarantee you guys the Celtics are going to be four. I'll, I'll make that there declaration now. Okay. Get ready yeah. for apology cam. Cue this one up if it, if it happens. <laughs> I just think they're better than all these teams. They're fully healthy. Don't oh, sleep on here. my Pacers. I'm still uh, here. That you're you're, you're going to need an apology cam for that one. Well, they've had a wild season, so let's. The let's Celtics haven't. <laughs> well, they've had probably had a wilder season. No Celtics. Trades Celtics and guys missing time and. Yeah, right. trade, trade, trade fair enough. The it's a completely different team than it was when I made yeah. those. those they shut the yes. lights out on Bobby. Yeah, they said, right. Bobby, you don't have to go home, but you have to, you know. We're going <laughs> to yeah. shut them out here, too. Uh, we are back on Tuesday and Wednesday. And again, we, are, we have a new sponsor coming, and we will talk about it. Uh, yes. We may have a show tomorrow night, not determined yet. We may do something tomorrow night um, to uh, introduce the sponsor and just to talk about other stuff going in and around the Let's team. Do it. Let me so stay, know. Stay, Garden stay, Report Daily. Yeah. Stay Macro tuned for that. Ready to go. We keep talking Garden Report Daily. Again, I do want to remind people to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, for all you Celtics out there watching, you know, uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, I guess. <laughs> thanks for watching. Um, and uh, I hope they can leave a positive review, too. Say something negative and say something positive. Come on. I don't care. But say whatever. We like we like all of it, and we like having we'll you take, all on. Yeah, um, that's a good yeah, and obviously having you on here uh, every night. So thank you again, everybody. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channels, all the podcasts. All the numbers on Easter Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. com and the Causeway Street Podcast. Uh, Bobby Manning, CLNS Media, Celtics Blog, Boston Sports Journal. Um, and, uh, and hold Dome. on one second. Dome Theory. Yeah, Dome Theory. Dome Theory. Uh, CLNS Media. Thank you again, all of uh, all of you out there. Thank you, Marcus. Again, uh, Marcus. Jimmy Smart. John podcast coming soon. Jimmy John, shout out to Marcus. Marcus is a real one, huh? Maybe we'll get right Marcus, after the game. Maybe we'll get Marcus on the Jimmy John first episode. That's, that's what everyone's waiting for. Should be an interesting one. I'll moderate. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Marcus. I think you're overrated, and it wouldn't be terrible if you Marcus, keep up the good work, Marcus. <laughs> if you were Marcus, the haters, Marcus, when those <laughs> shift the haters, Marcus. When those shifty Marcus, guards get by you, it's just it's, it's a home run. <laughs> you get toasted on defense, and I want you to shoot way less. How are you? It's nice to meet you. <laughs> Podcast presented by. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly who you are. And I've wanted to trade you forever. Uh, but <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> go make that. Go make that. Uh, another I do. Love, all, I do love the robe though. First NBA defense. Go ahead, Marcus. Do your thing. Yeah, do your thing. That's do you. All. Do you. Yeah, you do hey, you. Everyone's been screaming about Marcus forever. And what is it, year eight now? It's It's gone – or year six, it's gone pretty good. Year seven. So, I guess you just got to keep doing yeah. him. It's been that long. Yeah, you're right. All right. It's been that long. Anyway, happy Easter for those of you, if that's your thing. Yes. For, for, my, for, my, for my Greek uh, slash Orthodox buddies out there, we got another month. Uh, right. so we'll, month? Wish, we'll wish you guys Easter. Greek that. Easter. Uh, Greekster, yeah. I don't a week or two. It's it's four weeks this time. It's uh it's a it's a big gap before Bobby uh, gets kicked out here. Um, 
uh, we're uh, we're gonna wrap it up. So we'll see you guys possibly see tomorrow, you certainly on Tuesday. Good night, guys. Hey guys.